Hey, and welcome to Real Indigenous, where we look at everything on your screen and everything in between. To celebrate Valentine's Day, we're talking about some of our favorite Indigenous female characters played by Indigenous actresses. These Indigenous women could be your aunties, your friends, your support system, your champions, and they get the job done over and over again. So today we're going to show them some love. With me, I have the usual crew. Hey, it's Angela. See oh, hey, it's Candace. Mariwika, Sunrise. So again, we're talking about Indigenous uh, characters played by Indigenous actors, in particular, the ladies. Um, most recent shows, they've shown some pretty powerful ladies. Um, we've seen the likes of Dear Woman on, Re on Reservation Dogs, Regan Wells on Rutherford Falls, and uh, Tattoo Cardinal, which is a staple pretty much in any, any uh, community as a strong female. So let's talk about some of our favorites, uh, maybe even go as far back as some of the older shows and movies that uh, we know and love so well in Indian country that maybe some of the non-Indian listeners don't know about. So who wants to start us off? I can start. I have a more contemporary crush. My woman crush for Valentine's Day is Roz Friendly on Alaska Daily. She's played by Grace Dove. Roz is Finket, and she grew up in Yakutat, which is located in southeast Alaska and is a rainforest. She is a reporter for the Alaska Daily, and she became an investigative reporter because her cousin that she grew up with went missing. And so it's her mission to help other people who are victim to the MMIW crisis. She has a white father. She has a clinket mother, but her father left her mother to hook up with an Inupiaq woman up in the tundra. And in one of the episodes, she meets her half-brother for the first time. I think she's the real deal because the whole storyline is how this big city reporter who is non-native comes into Alaska kind of with her tail between her legs, but she's still operating like it's a big city newsroom and she doesn't understand the culture of Alaska. So the editor brings in Roz to help her navigate the communities that are affected by the MMIW crisis. Instead of just being a complacent assistant to Eileen she does she just stands up for herself she takes up native space in white spaces because newsrooms are historically white male spaces so to have a native woman who can stand up and hold her own and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the editor and with this pulitzer prize winning reporter from new york city is really amazing she stands up for her people she has turned into a person that eileen now calls her partner Whenever they're interviewing people and the white people are talking to Eileen, Eileen says, no, she's my partner. You can talk to her too. And she's tenacious and she's quick to earn the trust of the people that she's interviewing. And it gets them to open up more, to open up other avenues of investigation on these missing cases. And she gets in there and she's boots on the ground helping to find these women. And that's why she matters is because she's she's taking up those spaces. She's doing the work. She's tenacious. She's respectful. And she honors her people by doing the things that need to be done, like all of our Indigenous ladies. 
I think it's a great character and I can't wait for the second half of the first season to see where they take her because at the end of the fall series she was ready to walk away because Eileen had gone behind her back to her half-brother and to enlist him in helping them with this case and so Roz is like look if you ever do that again I'm leaving you need me I'm not putting up with this and I think that was amazing and I think that we all need to be confident in taking up those white spaces and asserting the fact that we can do it and they can be good allies. That was a fun one to put together. She sounds awesome. I haven't actually watched that yet. I promise I'm going to. It's on my list. <laughs> my very long list of to watch shows. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about you, Candace? Do you have a crush you want to talk about? Yeah, I have a I have a couple actually because I was I was looking through some some of my theater things. I was thinking of some uh, some characters that really speak to me and that I've gotten to experience, you know, uh, in the in the theater world. One of the one of the characters I really enjoyed uh, and whose uh, writing I enjoy I enjoy uh, the writing of Arrogant Star. She's Muskogee Creek. She's a singer. She's a songwriter. She's a playwriter, an actor, uh, and she's also a comic book artist. Uh, she does it all. She really is like a one woman show. And uh, she writes some really fun characters. Uh, she's, you know, uh, Arrigan is Creek and Kickapoo, or Muskogee Creek and Kickapoo. And I, I love the women that she writes. She writes such strong, una, you know, unapologetically Oklahoma Native women. And she puts them on stage for all to see and for all to be lovingly bossed at. And sometimes they sing, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes that's how they, uh, they take center stage. And so um, uh, I was thinking of a play that she wrote back uh, as called Round Dance. And it was, um, it was a very fun play just about a Creek family uh, that moved, that was moving West. And um, during the assimilation, during relocation and assimilation, and they were moving to LA, you know, you have all these, you have hijinks that happen, but it's about how they um, in a positive way, like you said, like like Angie says, taking up spaces that are meant for white people, which was like ownership of a gas station. So that way they can, you know, have some money to bring in some income. And and a lot of her characters are like that. And that that speaks a lot to to me, you know, just to see Oklahoma Native womanhood like be represented. Another character that she wrote, which was so fun because this was a superhero. Uh, she wrote a play called it was a radio play called the new adventures of super indian and in episode two uh the curse of blood quantum there was a character yes i played her uh was um there was a character called phoebe francis and she she went uh she was laguna woman and it was her alter ego and i thought she was a super fun character because um I think Aragon was working on this at a time when we didn't have Echo. We didn't have characters like Echo, or they weren't as well known. I think to uh, this to this generation and younger people. Um, so I feel like it it was it was just super fun to step into that that superhero that moving toward, from alter ego and she's kind of a uh, she's at a conference and she's bored and she hates it, you know, and it's at a conference that's like NIGA, that's like National Indian Gaming Association, you know, and she's 
bored and she all she wants to do is read her not twilight book you know and so she's like she's nerdy she's into vampire culture and lore and then that's how she spots blood quantum in the vampire who has come to drain all the full bloods of their of their blood <laughs> so, that, so that way he can become full he can come to full power you know and so it's a very uh a charming play a charming uh, characters and that's something that I, I really appreciate seeing is um, this these native these native writers the way that they and some of the the positive and powerful ways that they portray portray uh, women and I have to do one more character I know we were I guess we we're supposed to stick to one but I had when I was like looking up some characters um, there's a character that another um, written by another um, strong Muskogee woman um, this one was super contemporary. I really liked this character. Um, my friend Tara Moses wrote uh, a play called Arbika. And Arbika is a phenomenal show. And like Aragon, she also writes very strong native Oklahoma women. And what was fun about, um, what's fun about both of them is that they write multi-generational plays, elders interacting with, with youth and elders, you know, working through things with youth and, youth working through things as well with with their elders and there are two characters um that uh tara wrote that are meant to be played like the the matriarch of the family when when we have a flashback to her youth she's played by her daughter and those two characters were loretta cloud loretta cloud harjo and billy cloud harjo so i really love that relationship between mother and daughter you have the strong matriarch and the whole play takes um in this arbica cycle the the first one takes place not the first one it's actually i think second in the series because tara made a series out of it it's loretta is an as a matriarch now she's an older woman she they're they're setting up at stomp grounds and uh they have a cousin come visit who set off to be a screenwriter to la who comes back and it's been a while since she's been back so she has to kind of relearn some etiquette and her cousin has to kind of teach her. Her cousin, Billy Cloud, has to teach her. One of the things I liked about that character is just, I loved Billy, I loved Billy Cloud Harjo just because she was so, once again, unabashedly honest. And you kind of have to listen to her because she is so strong and she is powerful. And she has to tell her cousin, she has to straighten her cousin out and remind her about etiquette, remind her about ways. And But Loretta is there to also kind of play Hey, referee, take it easy on your cousin. It's been, it has been a while, but we love her. We want her here. And Loretta is just a, a really awesome. I love those matriarchal. I love matriarchal characters who can be powerful and, and have these, have this wonderful presence, you know? And so those are some of the things that I like um, to see in our characters. And those are some of the uh, female femme characters that I'm admiring and thinking about currently. Definitely need to get into more of the comic book world because I know that they have some great characters in the, in that world there that um, that have come to life, you know, through comic series and graphic novels. So yeah, definitely need to look into that. What about you, Sunrise? Uh, like Candace, I went back through things, uh, just history, and I was trying to think of what um women might be overlooked uh 
in our as we kind of transition into like this new period of women in all sorts of media um but i stumbled across three that i feel like are kind of helpful but uh like candace i couldn't select and i i don't maybe i'll just maybe i'll just talk about two <laughs> there is this beautiful film called sammy blood from 2016 i don't know if you've seen this film yeah, so uh, directed by Amanda Cornell, who's a, a Swede, so she is non-Indigenous, uh, but the uh, the primary narrative and the full cast of the Sami characters, like a, a, a entire community are all Sami, they play themselves, essentially. And it's like this 1930s boarding school narrative, and we just kind of watch this young woman as she is taken in by the... I believe it's in Norway, even though Norway is sort of like also like under some control of, of Sweden. So like they take them into the school and they're learning Swedish, really. But, you know, she's going through all these conventional um, circumstances of excitement that she's going to see something new and this naivety about confronting the circumstances of colonization. And um, it gets real. Um, you really are put in a position where you really understand why she is starting to like realize that this is not a good thing. I think when you go in uh, to the narrative, she's very excited because she's interested in like school and she loves reading and she can't wait to like see what's outside of her community. But like all of a sudden there's a moment where the Swedes come in and they are assessing the Sammy and they're like doing it very like physically when with like equipment where they're like measuring you know like there's like phrenology that's happening where they're like measuring the skull and they're like taking markings you know and it's just so like degrading and we start to see that you know this just sort of divorce from what she thought was the potentialities of this um and we just see her stand up a, a few times she stands up to a teacher she stands up um to people in the community and she's just trying to come of age during all of this She's like, I don't know, maybe a teenager coming into like a young adulthood, very maybe resistant and very um, questioning of authority. And I felt like those are traits that I feel like uh, are things I admire in her, despite the circumstances and um, the sort of like firmness about n not being subjected to the circumstances without question. But she, and we kind of follow this young woman as she just essentially comes of age, really. And we kind of see her at moments kind of divorced from her sister. She's been brought there with her sister and sort of go back and forth about her own identity. And the narrative actually, it takes place across a good number of years, probably like 30 years or so, maybe even more. Because uh, we ultimately come kind of full circle to a moment where she's like an old woman and she has to come back to a funeral of her sister. And it, she's like struggling with her identity. It's, uh, beautifully performed and i just feel like we have a tendency to maybe overlook the moments where we see uh sammy actors i feel like they don't get all that often an opportunity to shine and um lena cecilia sparok was the uh the young version of this particular character named elia mara or sometimes she goes by christine when she's like moving away from the school and sort of like going off on an adventure of unrequited love so yeah, it's, it's like a beautiful film and the performances are really um, beautiful. And I feel like I don't think that this actress 
I think she got recognized at the time. And uh, it looks like she's been in like a series where she essentially describes her own circumstances of coming of age and like a reality series for Sammy people talking about their experiences of becoming into adulthood. But she hasn't done any work beyond this. My sense is that she's gone back into community. And it's just like that one moment that we get to really see this particular individual shine as an actor. It's just, uh, I don't know, really brave, I think, for this actor to kind of step out and present these circumstances and really make us understand this sort of like boarding school scenarios. I've, you know, I feel like this is a complicated area, <clears throat> I think. Boarding school, just like revisiting trauma, I think is a really difficult thing, both like in terms of performance and in terms of the viewer. So like that, I think is definitely brave. And we often hear about it in documentaries and documentaries, I think only take us so far. There's sort of like an abstract, an abstraction that happens. It's like numbers and photographs and you're not there minute by minute as things occur and understanding that sort of like psychological underpinnings of what it feels like to go through these circumstances and really what the, what the environment feels like for a young person. I think today we definitely hear documentaries interview older people about the past um, but there's something really powerful about how this was able to transport us into this sort of like age range and seeing this young woman, um, her perspective, her strength, uh, her hesitancy at sometimes, her naivety at times. Uh, but then she is able to come back and uh, really affirms the strength that people sometimes need to face these circumstances and then to come back um, to the community because I think she's really embarrassed and really uncertain. She feels like there's a moment where she feels like she can't go back because she has to keep going and that's really hard but i feel like those are things that i rarely see so some interesting bravery there i guess in the character and the actor and then those people that watch the film uh there's a second one if i can say another one <laughs> so there's this film called empire of dirt 2013 this is also going back further so this is about three generations of uh, uh first nations women has not specified in the narrative but um you know, there's Podemskis in here, so I feel like there might be an Anishinaabe. The, the main character named Lena Makian is played by Kara Gee, uh, so it could also be Cree. So Kara Gee, I think, is probably most known maybe from The Expanse, like the sci-fi series. Uh, she's like in season two onward. But this one role is like where she sort of like breaks out, and I remember it. Uh, because of the performance and um, because of the character. But it's essentially, we start off with like a, a single mother and she's taking care of like a preteen. It's just, all it is, is a is a single mother as she tries to just get through the day, really. And it's tough, <laughs> right? I Like that's an amazing like thing to see depicted, I feel like without it being interstitched in some sort of like, I don't know, other kind of plot but it's essentially just a mother trying to take care of her young preteen daughter and her preteen daughter. Like, I guess the plot element is that she has uh, an overdose from huffing. She's like hanging out with, you know, older kids and they're like huffing on the street, you know, which is, is still an issue, but it seems to have sort of like receded into the news. But uh, as soon as that child has gone into the hospital, the mother realizes she's got to like find a better circumstance and better support for this child. And she goes back home and then it's a return, you know, back to the 
reserve in this case. And there's a contentious relationship with her mother who's played by um, Jennifer Pademsky. And, and then we just kind of unfold these sort of like relationships between these women. But there's just such tenacity and th there's like such exhaustion that she's able to work through. And I admire this depiction because it's just, it's like so grounded in everyday reality. And it feels like it's a, it's a woman that we don't normally see and we admire her for traits that are so seemingly simple in the world of film. It's not extraordinary, like, you know, facing off with like multiverse disaster or like some outrageous creature. It's just, can I do the right thing for my child? And is there a way that I can hold the family together despite tensions that I have with my own parent for the betterment of this child? And uh, you really feel the successes because it's like, it's so real and it's um i think this this actress at this point in 2013 i think she was considered to be somebody to watch she got all these awards from all different sort of uh organizations but uh i feel like i haven't heard about her in a while and i feel like she is somebody that we could probably resurrect i feel like she could easily be an echo or something and uh i, I kind of don't want that performance and I don't want that kind of character and that actress to get lost because it seems so ordinate seemingly but we all have these mothers that have done things for us it's uh it really makes you value and recognize these people in our lives yeah strong native women for sure have an impact strong native women Angel do you have any more you want to talk about since everybody did more than one <laughs> I know right <laughs> yes, I do actually. Because I'm going to throw it way back to the '90s. Does anybody remember Marilyn from yes. Exposure? On my list. Oh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> she is also clinket. If she's on your list, then you should talk about her because. No, go ahead. You probably know more about the area than I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know about that period of time. No, 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 that's no, no. I'm you're going. <laughs> the setting, the setting. I, I watch Northern Exposure religiously too. So yeah. I don't I don't okay, this is like I don't know what show you're talking about. <laughs> it is I don't. <laughs> A different century. <laughs> probably watching SpongeBob, wishing there was Barney. You're probably watching Barney. Barney. Yeah. No, I was too old for Barney. <laughs> <laughs> Tell so for all of our youngsters out there northern exposure was a fish out of water story it was a series of a big city doctor this time who goes to alaska to practice medicine and actually this happens a lot because indian health service will pay for doctors educations in return for them serving in ihs facilities so when I was working for IHS, I worked with dentists and doctors from all over the nation. And it was always kind of funny to see them come into communities to treat people. And so this is a, a really fun one with Joel. Gosh, okay, I'm gonna have to look him up. Wasn't his name Joel? Yeah. Wasn't the character Joel? Yeah, Dr. Joel Fleshman. Yeah. But this was also the beginning of John Corbett. He was the radio Ooh. DJ. <laughs> That oh oh everybody that was so good looking, <laughs> and then Barry Corbin's in it as um what was he was he an oil and gas guy I don't remember I don't, I don't remember either 
Yeah. And I can't remember if he's the one that brought Dr. Fleshman sure. to the community. He did, he did bring him to the community. I remember there was a guy who brought him and didn't want him to leave. Mm-hmm. So the whole time Joel is complaining about how cold it is. And then like the first first time he walks into his office, there's a woman sitting at the front desk and he's like, what, who, wait, I didn't, it's, it's not a job. And she's like, I made your coffee. <laughs> your first patient is waiting for you. He's like, wait, no, I didn't hire you. Who are you? And it turns out it's Marilyn. And so she basically just runs the whole clinic for him. She's just, she, she's a storyteller and talks about her community and is just very calm mm-hmm. to his friends his frenetic personality because he's just ah! and then she's mm-hmm. just like she would always slide in with the zingers and just deflate the whole thing and i just love that and she's played by elaine miles who is a fan favorite and podcast favorite from smoke signals so yeah <laughs> so the two ladies who are driving through the res backwards because their car only goes in reverse she's one of them which i love that those characters too they're so funny Oh yeah, I love them. Yeah, I liked her because she was like there would always be some sort of chaos and, and Dr. Fleischman was like running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And she'd just be sitting there doing her job and be like, Well, you know, uh-huh. if you did this, it would probably be better. And then just go back and he'd be like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. She always knew exactly what to do and, and how to calm him down. So that's what I liked about her. She was just really chill. And I don't know if you can see that in that series anywhere. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but hmm. it's, it's a such a good series. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think there's like a musical dispute, like a, a dispute over the rights of some of the music. So like mm. they haven't been able to redistribute it or something. I think that's what I heard. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Hopefully they'll get that fixed soon so we can relive those moments. I just remember. I'm sure there's there copies was- out there somewhere. Well, I'm sure there are. Yeah, no. I just remember the most part of that I remember is when he had to experience the 30 days of sunlight and it flipped him out because <laughs> he didn't, he couldn't sleep. So yeah, <laughs> that was a good series. <laughs> Let me tell you, it it's weird. The first time I went up there <laughs> and we were, we were sitting around, we ate dinner and we're sitting there, we're watching a movie and I'm like, why am I so tired? And I look up and it was it was midnight and I was like it's midnight and like the whole house busted out laughing and I was like I gotta go home and go to bed (laughs) (laughs) it probably flipped me out too if I had to experience it and then I'm driving home in the sunlight at midnight and like (laughs) and the blackout curtains in the Airbnb that we were in did not work by the way oh (laughs) I hope you got a discount on that yeah. I had my sleep. Well, I had my sleep mask because that was like the only way to be able to oh, go to wow. sleep. It's crazy. It's really crazy. It, does it feel like it's like a what time of day does it feel like? Is it like morning, noon, like afternoon? So like it, just... it gets really, really bright, really, really bright. And then it kind of gets dusky and then it just kind of stays uh-huh. dusky, dusky, yeah. dusky, dusky, like like five or six o'clock, you know, in the fall. Mm. And then you're like, holy crap, it's 1 a.m. Yeah, it's not 5. (laughs) It's 5 a.m., not 5 p.m. What's happening? So there's like, like but there's like when it's morning, there's a clear distinction. And all of a sudden it's gotten much brighter than like. During the daylight, it gets much brighter. The feeling of 5 o'clock or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. 
Now I haven't been there in high summer, so I haven't experienced like bright, bright, bright all day. <clears throat> mm-hmm. That was in May. So it was just starting to get that way. But that's the reason yeah. if you go to the Alaska State Fair and you see all of the giant vegetables, it's yeah. because they get sun 24 hours a day. That makes that that episode then makes a lot more sense to me in terms of Alaska Daily. Yeah, the state fair. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What? It's like, how did I, I get saw that some big? zinnias? I saw some zinnias that were like six feet tall at the state fair. It's crazy. What? I mean, everything it's literally sunlight 24 hours. They just grow, 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 oh. grow. It's like the, just the land of Oz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I was going to say about Elaine Miles and how she became uh, Marilyn was that she her mom needed a ride for the, to the audition for that show because she lived out in Washington. She was born in Oregon, I think, went to Washington. Her mom, her and her mom were waiting. You know how auditions go when it's a big, long line, a big, long cast. And and Elaine Miles was like getting kind of pissed off, like, God dang, this is taking a long time. And they were talking like in their in their I forget what tribe she is, but their language. And they're talking back and forth, arguing, kind of arguing with each other. And then uh, when the casting a- agents came out and saw her and they were liking that interaction there happened, they were saying, you should audition too to Lane Miles. And so Lane Miles had no intention of being an actor. And so she got, go ahead and went to audition. And so she got the part, but they also liked her mother. So she they had her mother play her mother on the TV show. Right. So they got to be in the, in the show together. Two whirlwinds. So yeah, yeah, and she's going to. She's on. I guess I just read that she's on Last of Us with the uh, Grand yeah, Dreams. I yeah, I just saw that. So, so she's still she's still working, and then uh, she used to do these videos called Res Robics, where they would do <laughs> right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And so it was like an attempt to like lower uh, diabetes within tribal communities. Mm-hmm. And so you know, so she's yes. I guess she'll be my big big crush too. Well, I guess I'll reveal who some of my favorites are. My first one since was, you know, Elaine Miles is Marilyn in Northern Exposure. So, and then I, someone else I had on my list was um, the first role I saw Amber Midthunder in, which was mm-hmm. Carrie Loudermilk in Legion. And the reason that I liked this character is because she was a superhero. At the time, we didn't see many indigenous superheroes. The show Legion is a Marvel um story and that series ran from 2017 to 2019 on fx so it got a little psychedelic because of the setting it was set in the 60s they uh, focused on um a mutant named david and these were all mutants so and he was recruited i guess you could say uh by a uh, a lady who was trying to help mutants you know control their powers and one of the 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 doctor there i guess he was a doctor uh his name was carrie c-a-r-y loudermilk and he had um a person inside of him also named carrie k-e-r-r-y and that was amber midthunder this was a man a white man in his 30s blonde hair blue eyed and here's this little indian girl with dark hair and dark eyes and their background was basically that um he was born to a native lady. He, his parents were native and they were expecting a native baby. But when he came out white, the father thought that the mother had stepped out on him. And so he left. And then eight years later, Carrie, the girl showed up and was playing with uh, Carrie, the boy's toys. 
and they figured out that they were mutated somehow whenever I guess in the womb and uh he whereas he's not he's kind of got the brain power she's got the brawn she's super strong she's very agile um you know she's like got those cat-like reflexes she's not afraid of a fight she's not afraid to step up and and defend not only uh, her brother but you know their friends as well and they have some sort of regenerative um, healing power i think where one sleeps the other one regenerates but she also um, she doesn't age unless she's outside of Carrie's body and she's taken over the body. And it, it's weird because whenever it, it's so fun, weird. I really don't quite understand, you know, it's, it's Marvel, it's mutants. Don't really understand the science of how uh, they can switch from man to woman so easily. Uh, but anyway, so just watching her uh, play that character and basically kick butt throughout the entire series was really exciting for me to watch. Like, again, you know, we didn't see a whole lot of Native superheroes, let alone Native female superheroes at the time. So it was very exciting for me to watch that. And I'm really glad she got to be a part of the Marvel Universe. And it really set up, you know, this, I guess, expectation of how well she could do as an action star. And, of course, now that Prey is out, everybody knows that she can do well as an action star. Um and so that one was a really, really fun time to watch. So going off that, Marilyn Whirlwind? Whirlwind. So yeah. Marilyn Whirlwind connection to Legion, Loudermilk, is that you guys are talking about this, the indigenous romance story. Her story in Northern Exposure, I think it was in uh, season two or season three, is when the flying man comes into town. It was a circus. Mm -hmm. And the flying mm -hmm. man is played by uh, Loudermilk's twin brother or whatever he is. He yeah. was the flying man in that show. And so that's really? the okay. that. Everybody's and so what happens is he now. falls in love with Marilyn and he courts her, but he doesn't talk. He just does like all these. Yeah, okay, I remember him now. Yeah, so he does all these little tricks and stuff. And it's, what's his name, the actor? Because he's a badass. Everybody loves him. Bill Irwin. Bill Irwin. And so, you know, he does his like, because he's like very vaudeville actor. And does yes. all these kind of tricks and stuff. And so we got to see him do that because he's all quiet. And the other thing about that episode, it was like, it was that the early days of Cirque du Soleil. And I don't know if you ever watched the early stuff, but it's not this fantastic stuff that it is like in Las Vegas now. But it was like these small little rings and they didn't have any animals, mm -hmm. but people dressed like animals and act like they were horses and stuff. So he falls in love with Marilyn and, and uh, tries to court her and they hang out together. And he does all these romantic things. And then he has to leave because the circus leaves town. And then he comes back. He asks her to marry her and go away with her. But she has to stay because that's where her people are. I have a whole list of characters here. I'll go ahead. And, okay, so the Flash CW DC series started yesterday. And they actually have a Native character, a female character by the name of Captain Kristen Kramer. She came on, I think it was in 2018. Um, she was hunting down uh, what they called metahumans. Um, oh, sorry. Carmen Moore plays her, and um, she was she's a part of this task force that was hunting down the metahumans because some of them basically had just gotten too powerful. Turns out that she had meta powers that she didn't know about. She can absorb other metahuman powers and use them for whatever her needs are. And so once she found that out, she kind of calmed down on hunting the metahumans and. 
focused more on trying to help them. And so now she is the captain of the Central City Police Force and works closely with uh, Barry Allen, AKA The Flash, and uh, helping to uh, help other metahumans, but also to round up the ones that just aren't going to be helped. So I think it's really interesting to me for to see her and to see a native woman in that role because again, you don't see a whole lot of native superheroes. Uh, but that one in particular, they didn't really touch on too much of her native story. So she just got to be this person who was a part of this team, you know, and in this superhero show who happened to have powers, you know. And so I think sometimes shows focus too much on what makes the character native and they try to bring in too much of that Indianist into the character and maybe just so much too much to where it becomes a trope. And so with her, they touched on an episode, uh, one episode, they touched on her nativeness and then they just kind of let it be, you know, yes, she is a native woman, but she's also a police captain. She also has these meta powers and she's a part of, you know, team good guy. So, and that's what I liked about, that's what I like about her character is that, you know, she, she can be just a person, a part of this team. You're saying she absorbs other powers? Uh-huh. Is she that... can absorb metahuman powers. Like she, she can absorb the flash of speed and use it and, you know, be as fast as he is. If she, at, Whenever she's learning to control it, but, but um, yeah. that's what she can do. That's interesting. I assume that the, then it's like both she and the flash still have speed. It's not like he loses it. And right. She, right. She yeah. doesn't take it away. She just borrows it for however long she can control it. Interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm. I really like that show. I'm sad it's going away. But I also like that she's the captain of the police force too, because it's a, a native woman in power. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're very div- it's a very diverse series. So it, it's it's nice to see though a woman in in a powerful position, uh, like a police captain. Okay, so I'm not gonna go too much longer on that. <laughs> like I said, I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other any other characters anybody wants to talk about and why they're awesome? I really struggled with this, sadly. I mean, yeah. especially in the like past, just oh, because yeah. female mm-hmm. characters, female native characters in the past have just been so one dimensional, sexualized, and not very flattering. And so, they're rarely played by native women, and they're or, yes. mm-hmm. or rarely talked, or rarely talked. Mm-hmm right yeah 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 anything before i think northern exposure was the and smoke signals were the ones i found the earliest of so the 90s yeah they were there they just weren't of they they didn't have as big of a role in the storylines that they were in because i mean i can't even think of one female native character in dances with wolves what 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 about tattoo yeah but what's her name does she talk i don't think she talked she does talk. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely a moment where like it feels like he's got to get permission from her at some point about that some decision he's going to make. I feel like that one moment I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. She does have lines and many of them are not in English. Okay. Um, so I will I will say that she definitely has she's like a very memorable uh presence in that film, but I don't know her name. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's the new world you know yeah yeah 
which is, you know, we could talk a lot about that. <laughs> I feel like we've talked enough about that. I know. That's true too. That's true too. <laughs> and the earliest um, female native character I can remember wasn't even played by a female actress and that was sunshine and little big man and i can remember really liking oh, that yeah. i thought she was really native and then i found out she's not so it was very disappointing for me to find that out oh is this like dustin hoffman's wife yeah the definitely yeah. Uh, yeah well i am just now finding out in real time on this podcast that that is not that that character is not played by a native woman and that makes me very sad i think she's chinese a lot of asians get cast as natives yeah Mm-hmm. yeah especially in that period yeah yeah that, yeah well even yellowstone i mean it's you know still going mm-hmm. yes yeah, so happening the modern example yeah wind river wind river. Yeah. wind river yeah so it's unfortunate especially now that there's so many native actresses to choose from when casting these parts and i know that they have the studio has to be terminating but at the same time you would think they would want to be authentic yeah they're still there's still a little bit more road to go, maybe a lot more. But 2022 was a banner year between oh, Regan yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, Regan mm-hmm. and Dear Lady. I have to say, I have to say, uh, oh, shout out to that character real quick, Dear Lady, and the actress who plays her, Kanye Tio. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, like you know, uh, of course, some of my favorite, I guess, characters. When I was thinking about characters fictional characters for some reason my well my mind went to a lot of our um our cosmology stories and i started like well what if i talked about spearfinger and i was like she's not like a movie character (laughs) she's she's like um she's like a cosmological figure but i was thinking of dear lady and having a really awesome kick butt representation of 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 dear lady on screen and i remember i was probably hopping up and down in my seat you know when I saw oh my gosh there's dear lady oh my gosh there she is and she's freaking awesome you know when she kills <laughs> she kicks butt but she's super chill about it and you know I don't know she's just this she's kind of vigilante you know but in our stories she brings justice she is a balancer she's an equalizer you know and I felt like she was done very well on, on well, screen. and then so so we're spider spider lady that's navajo right spider woman yeah there's a navajos have a spider lady <clears throat> just have a spider too and mm-hmm. uh, so do cherokees and like, you know so, uh, there are other tribes that also revered spider and call her she's usually referenced as a as a feminine character and we've got sedna yeah. who's the mother mm-hmm. of all aquatic creatures I wonder and that's how- just creatures right i'm sorry I I was gonna say it would be it would be neat to look at those female those strong female mythological creek you know um characters that within different tribes I know there'd be a lot there would be a lot there would be a lot (laughs) yeah Yeah. but it would be be nice to know kind of like what the equivalent of dear lady is for other tribes oh yeah we have tutu man (laughs) he's elf man or but I don't know what his function is in the world like sedna you know sedna is the mother of all these creatures so i don't know what tutu man does because nobody <laughs> will talk about it 
So oh. it can't be mm. it can't be good. So yeah, we're not gonna talk about it. no whistling, okay, no talking. <laughs> hey Tully, do you wanna join in? Do you have some favorites you wanna talk about? I I didn't think about <laughs> plays. I guess my my crush on play would be uh from Osage County because I saw Kim Norris play it in, in oh in, because when uh I was talking to Kim about it you know she was talking about how the uh the writer was saying like her character is the heart of that story even though yeah. she's not really big in the movie or in the play she's you always see her there she's out she's like 90 percent on stage yeah. You know, maybe sitting up in her room or doing some other things because she's supposed to be like the, the good heart of, of all the characters because all the characters are kind of flawed people. Mm -hmm. and, oh, and of course, <laughs> you know, and, and then of course, you know, she's the one who stands up to the guy who is abusing the, the little girl. That was my as, favorite scene. As you recall. Yeah. And so. I'm on the frying pan. Yeah. Yeah. Be awesome. And so that would be my play crush. And I can't remember her name. So. <laughs> it's John. <laughs> Donna, <laughs> that's right, Donna, and then she was also played well by Misty Upham in the movie. Yes, oh yeah, Misty Upham, and then they cut all her lines. <laughs> that is true lines. too. Yeah, they cut all her lines in the movie, and I was sad that yeah. she didn't get to have that in the play. She has an ending song. She has the last lines, and right, she's singing mm -hmm. a song yeah. called "This Is the Way the World Ends," and she's holding the matriarch of the family because as her kids and all left her mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and john is like mm -hmm. the last one left and we don't we don't get that image in the movie it's um it's um so it's julia roberts and she's looking off in the sunset but um and yeah it did change it did change the movie so i was like oh yeah. right i think she's like throwing out the tape or something like the window or something yeah, right? like, like listening to a tape she's like throws it out yeah, she's like she's like doing something, but she's has a mysterious smile at the end, which I thought was that's completely not how the play ended. And I was like, I'm not sure what she's smiling at, but I'm sure. But you know, I was like, ah, well, you know, that's just how it goes. Yeah. And then, like in TV, I was thinking like a uh, Cora from Legend of Cora, who was a real strong yes. character. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. And then um, there was a, uh, uh, of course, Echo, who. Mm -hmm. You know, oh and God. she was like originally in the Daredevil comic. She, was, I think, she was Cheyenne in the comics, and in the in this iteration of her as in the in the Marvel universe cinematic universe, she's chalked off. So that's my, you know, I'll be like, I can't wait to see that show. And then yeah. all like a lot of my friends are on it, working on that show. You know, so <laughs> that makes it even yeah. cooler. Yeah, I can't wait so we can talk about more about that in the show. Mm -hmm. In comic books. There's this one character that I was talking with uh, Travis Hedgecoke about it because he wrote an article on this uh, comic book called The Invisibles. It was by Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison is a Scottish writer who was writing about these. Uh, they're almost like a super team of people who who cause chaos in order to save the world. And um, one of the main characters is a Brazilian uh, trans person named Lord Fanny. Her story is like she comes from a lineage, a matriarchal lineage that uh the women have power that's passed down but there was a boy that was born instead of a girl and so the grandmother took it on herself to just raise her as a girl so that she would get that power and so she grew up and became a trans person got the power and 
ended up being a part of the super team. And and according to Grant Morrison, she's she's a superhero. And so she's she's you know a, an indigenous Brazilian person. Wow. That's yeah. me. I like that. And there's this podcast where I had this so super crush on these girls named Noetta. Candace and Angela. <laughs> 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 and, and, a, and a super, super crush on Sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, are there any other crushes we want to shout out before we sign off? I have one. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> it's it's a smaller this person was in a smaller role and she played Mm -hmm. she was in reservation dogs and rutherford falls and she basically played the same character but um geraldine kearns playing mabel in um reservation dogs and rayanne in rutherford falls she was uh ray's mother and on the council of rutherford falls and just basically told told it how it was you know didn't take nobody's crap and then mabel just because you know at the saddest moment of that one episode, she comes out and just just calls Laura Dan and shit ass and laughs and leaves. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it was so impactful. But the reason why I I really like that character, especially Mabel, is because she reminds me of my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother was full blood Creek woman. She lived on in Holdenville, Oklahoma, and I, I we've met some people who have told us that she was the meanest lady who lived on the block. So. Um, <laughs> I love that. I think it's hilarious because I can remember watching her, um, some kids with kick a kickball in her yard. I remember her going out there, grabbing it and poking it with some scissors and then throwing it in the backyard. So yeah, she, she was pretty, pretty uh, strict and she could be scary, but you know, she was my grandma. I loved her. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it gotta be scary. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You don't mess with grandma. Especially no. in Creek Grandma. <laughs> Does anybody else have anything else? From Rutherford Falls, I was thinking about Renee Thomas, since she's such a she's a tough character. Even though Terry's like this hard ass, even he has to be into her, you know, whenever she right. comes yeah. in. Right, yeah. Her. <laughs> yeah. I like her because she's bougie. Yeah. <laughs> she's that too. Let us know who your woman crush is. Uh, by reaching out to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us again. And remember, don't just keep it real. Just keep it real. Keep it, keep it, it real. real. real indigenous. Indigenous. Dang, Sunrise, you suck. You're so late. <laughs> I'm taking my crush back from you. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> oh, just edit me out. Ha 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 ha!